and welcome to episode 24 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Cena. <laughs> there we go. The lag got it a little bit, but whatever. Yeah. Did you, did you see this? Yeah, I did. Okay, uh, let's just get into the episode. Uh, you know what? This is the show where we talk about movies, music, and TV. We start off with the news, so let's get into it. First piece of news, some more Netflix news, like always. Uh, Netflix has bought the rights to the Knives Out trilogy uh, from Ryan Johnson in a $469 million deal. Knives Out is a movie that came out two years ago. A trilogy? Yeah, yeah, apparently it's going to be a trilogy. Uh, Daniel Craig is going to re reprise his detective character. And, um, yeah, he's the only character I think that's coming back, so it's really centered around him. But $469 million for two movies? That movie made a shit ton of money, right? It was pretty fucking well... I guess, I mean, I guess it made enough. Enough for Netflix to be interested enough. Let me, let me put, let me, let me put the uh, monkeys up. I really don't think it made that big of a dent. Uh, compared to its... So it, it cost it cost 40 and made 311 Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, that's... Pretty good amount of turnover. Pretty good ROI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now each of them is going to cost what two hundred and thirty million. Um, that seems like a lot of money to sink into a forty million dollar movie. Nah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Netflix just makes these calls, <laughs> and I don't. I don't know who at Netflix is okay with just throwing this amount of money around. I just. I want to see the Excel sheet that they use to do the math on it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, all right, if we get this many views in this amount of time, you know what I mean? And, like, we only spend this much on marketing it, yada, 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 this is how much we'll get, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, what's the uh, you know, view I, I, to ticket? I know, I, yeah. View to ticket ratio. It's like the office. You know, the, the money that they spend with the office, I go, uh, they, they figured it out. They know. They know what that cost is. I, I, I think so, uh, – Go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I think South Park cost, it was close to like a billion dollars for the streaming rights. So, if right. that tells you anything about the numbers and viewers it pulls in, the math so makes sense somewhere. 100 million, 100 million and 500 million, I think it it's all play money. They know that they can get away with losing it, totally fine. And it's crazy that they're valued so high and they have that much capital just to blow, but I'm like, unless you're spending, you know, between six and one bill, six hundred six hundred million and one bill, I I can't imagine that they don't have really secure metrics on how fucking phenomenal it's gonna be. Other than well, we don't care to lose this much either. Like this is all their slightly more than gambling money, but Well yeah, uh it's controlled risking. Well, how about a movie that probably cost a lot less than uh, four hundred and sixty nine million dollars? Netflix also bought the rights to Every House is Haunted. It is Sam Raimi's new horror film. Um, you know, the plot details might be out there. I did not see them when I saw the article for this. All that I know is it's Sam Raimi's new horror film. People seem to love those. I'm not the biggest Evil Dead fan, so I can't really say I have an affinity for them or for a new Raimi film. Spider-Man was cool. <laughs> I can, I, I, yeah, I can count on like one hand the number of horror movies I even like, and... I don't even know that Sam ran any of them, so... <laughs> I, I like the Evil Dead reboot, so that might say something about me. I'm not 
not sure. Um, I know there's it has a huge fan base. It's definitely a cult classic. Uh, but right. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a comedy horror, just straight up horror. It's Sam Raimi. I guess he's probably busy doing the new Doctor Strange. I think any good successful horror movie in like the last ten years just has like comedic elements enough that I think he could be successful at it. Like it's not might be pure comedy or leaning towards the comedy side of things, but right. Well, I think what uh, Evil Dead I, I One is a horror, and then Evil Dead Two is a comedy. Uh, yeah, I can't. You know what? Uh, yeah, I can't back myself up right there, but. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. No, no, I believe you. I believe you can make baseless claims. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how this podcast works. Okay, we'll uh, we'll correct it next week. But uh, here's the biggest piece of news. Probably the biggest piece of news: um, Kong versus Godzilla, the movie that I really love and enjoyed, uh, happened to make forty eight million dollars at the box office this weekend. Uh, this is with limited openings, and I think that's just domestically. Right. Pretty good Corona numbers. Cool. Yeah, I think that's just domestically. I think worldwide it made two hundred million. Um, that's insane. That's some good numbers. Quick goes two eighty five. Two eighty five. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. Even non Corona, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean that's totally fine. And then the budget was about like what, one fifty five. 200? It was something. That, yeah, I think it was 200. It had to be oh. huge. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if this is that the movie deserves it or like this is the first big movie since everything actually got shut down, you know. Could be a case of both. I'm not sure. Maybe audiences actually really enjoy it and I'm just in the wrong by saying it's an awful movie, but hey, <laughs> I'm going to stand by it. I've said it every Marvel movie, bro. People are just going to watch the shit no matter what, so. It's true. Can't stop it. It is what it is. All right, some um, some more Warner Bros. news, but uh, a little on the negative side. It seems that Warner Bros. has canceled Ava DuVernay's New Gods movie and the Aquaman spinoff The Trench movie. Um, the Trench was going to be a horror movie about that region and Aquaman. I'm not sure if you saw Aquaman, John. Whatever, it's going to be an underwater horror movie. And then New Gods is like where Darkseid is from, his world and his uh, family, and they have a civil war or something. There's a lot of comic stuff right there. But um, right. yeah, it seems like Warner Bros. isn't exactly thrilled with how it's going, or maybe they're just pivoting again, or pivoting the DC Universe once again. Um, they're done with it. It's great. <laughs> I'm I'm really confused because it seems as though they're sort of backing the DC universe. I think the new Suicide Squad is sort of a part of it because it's got returning characters, but then at the same time they're canceling these two. I I couldn't tell you. It makes sense. They don't make they don't make decisions based on people's interest. They make it based on money, and clearly the money's not there. I don't know. I would like to see a new Gods movie. I think that would have been really cool. And uh, Ava DuVernay, I've only I think Selma is the only movie of hers that I've seen. Um, but I think it would have been a really interesting. I bet she would have brought a really interesting take. Too bad. Uh, some more bad news, or good news on Legendary's part. The new Dune movie may not be a part of the HBO Max streaming day one deal. They haven't reached a 
agreement because apparently Godzilla, yeah, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I think Warner had to give Legendary X amount of money so that Legendary recoup the losses no matter what. Whereas Dune, I think, might be too expensive, or, you know, since they're making a whole series out of this movie, um, right. it doesn't seem like it might be a day one thing, even though it's in every single trailer for HBO Max. It's it's definitely there. Gotta, I mean, yeah, it'd be silly of them not to do it, because it's like half the reason people are using HBO Max right now, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but... Yeah, the people who specifically got... HBO Max for Snyder Cut. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it's really Legendary's choice. I mean, you know, if they don't feel like they're going to make the money back on the back end of streaming, um, I mean, I don't know how HBO Max is... I don't think it's royalties. I'm, you know, I don't really know how streaming contracts work uh, that well, but it seems like they'd have to be giving them a ton of money to uh, compensate. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got no comment on that. <laughs> sure. Like fucking, they better put it up there. I'll be salty if they don't. But yeah. I, all right. I well, uh, here, <laughs> here may be some a little more interesting piece of news. Legendary is producing an ancient aliens movie. And no, it's not. Interesting. It's not specifically based off ancient aliens. It's actually the show, Ancient Aliens. Um. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, I think the uh, the quote here is, it will be a two-handed, global-spanning adventure featuring ancient sites and artifacts, confronting the theories and questions raised by the popular docu-series. Um, those air quotes it's weren't... just to be two-handed? I, maybe that's it. Maybe that's Aliens. a pretty funny reference, but... I don't see how you do this. I mean, what, a national treasure with aliens? Um... Didn't Indiana Jones 4 already do this? I mean... Is it supposed to be a movie movie? Or yeah. Or is it like a... Really? No, Legendary Pictures is making a full-on movie. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not happy about it. I don't even want to talk about it, really. What, what are you talking about? Okay, History Channel... You know History Channel has just been going up in quality the last 20 years. That's a yep. fact. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The uh what the three different pawn stars, American Pickers, they've just been on the up and up, okay? They have one it's like uh I forget even what it's called, but it's like these dudes swear there's like hidden treasure near them on these little islands. And it's just like them finding little things and thinking it's all clues to get to a treasure. Yeah. And you're like, What? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. That's they that, never found anything, obviously. Every series, every single series, or one of those. I mean, they had a Finding Bigfoot series. Um, it lasted more than one season, so <laughs> they didn't find Bigfoot. Not many people believe, believe. Not many people believe in Bigfoot. There shouldn't be though. That's <laughs> that's the problem. There is. I mean. Right. So this movie did way too well, and I'll be sad that I didn't just go the entertainment business. Yep. <laughs> yeah, then they're going to have an American Pickers movie. They're going to have a History Channel cinematic universe. It's going to be great. There's going to be a lot of tie-ins and references of old, you know. <laughs> um, all right, here's a 
Here's a little better piece of news. Not really. Um, Amazon has bought the rights to Chris Pratt's new movie, The Tomorrow War. It was supposed to come out in theaters this summer. It will now be coming out in, on Amazon this summer. Uh, the movie is about... <clears throat> the movie is about a, a time traveler, a group of time travelers who go back in time who have to bring soldiers to the future to fight aliens. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I have yeah. no idea. Chris Pratt. There's a there's one cool. promo shot. You should see the promo shot. It's just twenty guys decked out in military garb. It's really cool. <laughs> just uh, tomorrow war. You should see it. They're all oh, yeah. like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, that's sick. It's black and white. They're all gun toting. Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt, the action hero. What so cool, man. Um, I don't know if there's a price tag. I'm sure it costs a shit ton of money to get a Chris Pratt movie. He seems to print money. Um, yeah, but zillion dollar film right there. Yeah, we'll see that this summer on Amazon. And uh, speaking of Amazon, they're set to remake the horror movie Goodnight Mommy. It was a Swedish horror movie. Um, I could be totally wrong on that. I watched it like five years ago. Swedish. Yeah, it was. It's it, popular. I think it's German. I think it's German. Oh, German. Okay. Well, Amazon is remaking the movie for American audiences. Um, there's not a lot of details on it. I'm not sure if they attached the director. I just think. I don't know. So in English, it's called Good Night, Mom. The German is I see, I see. That's a much cooler name. Yeah, it's definitely How the better. fuck did you get Goodnight Mommy from I See, I See? I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it, but uh, what, Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie, is based on an anime mm -hmm. called All You Need Is Kill? <laughs> I mean... Really? Yeah, alright. I, I don't know how they decide the marketing. They're just bad. Yep, Goodnight Mommy. It's, you know, American audiences really latch onto that a lot more. Um... Yeah, uh, we'll be seeing Tested that. Better in our test groups. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think the average audience member in a test group is? Like, I I couldn't tell you unless it's... I, what age group is horror movies for even these days? I have no idea. Um, prob they probably just get, like, a random sample of movies in the U.S., and it's probably people who go, like, two or three times a year just to see the big summer blockbusters. And then maybe like a rom com on date night during Valentine. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently, Good Night Mommy That's is just. That's the people who said Good Night Mommy's better. <laughs> it's 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 a lot simpler, you know. It tells you so much about the story. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be so seeing an atmosphere. We'll be seeing that next year. Uh, speaking of horror movies. Okay, segue. You know what? I'll I'll take it. Um. The Collector mm -hmm. Three. Always great. Always great to have. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. The Collector Three, which is was going to be called the Collected, um, is not happening apparently due to creative disinterest. Now, this series of movies isn't that crazy. It's not good at all. It's shitty horror. It's pretty shitty. Like it's as shitty as it gets. But um, it was interesting. The interview that the director gave, it seemed like he was actually like mad and frustrated. 
because he apparently can't get the get a hold of production just the the actual producers he can't get a hold of them and a lot of the set has gone missing he said like a lot of the props they bought and costumes though yeah, yeah he he claims it was stolen but like i i don't know how yeah. any of this happens um yeah whether Creative this decisions. yeah whether this is a a uh, casualty of corona Slowly start stealing all the stuff. all right all right that's enough of that <laughs> well, stop coming up <laughs> well the lag they only start fucking stealing stuff you know and just fucking it's like the producers are you know well this this idea is not that great but what if it goes to this other project so they just like go on set take a little bit of this yeah. take the catering one day to you know what i mean just like why, why don't we have any of the fucking uh, mics? I don't know. I don't know what happened, bud. Sorry. Just, uh, I mean, you can sell them off, make that budget back. Because, you know, they probably gave them a check beforehand. So they had to make the money back somehow. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I'm not even sure if these two movies are successful. I think it was The Collector and then The Collection. Um, both were pretty bad. They happened to have a connective story. And that's about it. Um, guess we'll never see this movie. It's kind of funny that this director is just giving an interview talking about, hey, I literally can't make this movie. Um, right. I, this movie's dead. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's even canceled so much as just not happening. But, uh, but, yeah. And it's funny that they use the word disinterest, too. Like, literally, like, the producers couldn't care to continue production. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you know, it's probably not... It just is. It wasn't in them, you know. It wasn't a passion project. They just weren't feeling it. Right. <laughs> uh, it was moneymaker for yeah, sure. Yeah, wasn't worth the tax write-off. All right. Uh, apparently, we're getting an American Pie Five. Tara, Tara, Tara Reed has said in an interview that they're making it. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. <sighs> I'm just saying we're getting an American Pie Five. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Zero out of ten. Nope. Eurotrip. <laughs> it's gonna be as bad as Eurotrip. They're Probably. gonna try to talk fucking political and go, but then also like somehow go back in time, and there will be every token character you can imagine, just all the stereotypes of every demographic. You know, if if American Pie started using time travel, I don't know. I might watch it. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I would watch that. I would. I would watch it if it very ironically went back in time to like 1990s and what's his name Jason Biggs or whatever yep. Bigman whatever his name is fucking goes back in time and just plays like the same character as an adult uh, well here's so. my thing I maybe it's the children you know because I'm pretty sure his character had a child in one of those movies oh for sure but uh, yeah I, I don't want to spend too much time on this <laughs> I just wanted to get that out in the air. Uh, we shouldn't have five of American Pies. Um, yeah. So I know we've talked about the new Borderlands movie, the new Eli Roth one. Uh, Edgar Ramirez has joined the cast. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, Edgar Ramirez is a great actor. That's fine. But they came out with plot details. And without getting too specific oh. and getting like word for word, Let's just say it's not the plot of the video games. Just, it's not why the plot would, of... Yeah. Uh, why would a video game adaptation <laughs> follow the story of the video game? 
I don't know. Remind me who's casting this. This is the one Kevin Hart and The Rock. <laughs> no, 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 not The Rock. Like the not The Rock. Uh, no, it's Kevin Hart, Kate Blanchett, Jack Black, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, the other half of the, the, other half of the Jumanji <laughs> yeah. cast, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. How do you how do you do this every single time? How? how, how? I, I don't get why. Because the people who have signed up on the creative team, one person has played the video game. And it's been like, this is so cool. I bet we could do this. Let me like get some of this going and like we'll pitch a full flesh thing to the people. Then you pitch it to the people who've never played this video game. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But if you're going to take our money and our people, here's what you got to do. Change, 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 change. And the creative dude is like, make it with his little wiggle room. And they're like, okay, on some of this, there's wiggle room, but like, we'll talk about it later. And then each time they meet one of those little hurdles that the creative director doesn't want to be like, no, 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 no. Like, this one can't be changed. Like, we got to be kind of really serious about this one. They go, oh, it's our money, though. And goes, <laughs> <Yeah>. You're right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so I just, yeah, it's never going to work out in a way that it'll be true to the source material and be well-funded. Yeah. Um... Because people think that that's not marketable, so. So, video game players don't go watch video game movies. Yeah, they don't pay for them. They'll pirate them, you know, no problem. But uh, right. paying for them, that's a lot to ask. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it, it, the plot seems to me like a series of side quests uh, more than an actual uh, plot of the video games, which is basically just boiled down to finding a vault of fancy stuff. Um, but now it's they, there's a guy named Atlas... And that's just a name from the games. There's a guy from Atlas, and they have to find his daughter, who has superpowers. He might be a siren. I don't know, man. You can look it up. This just screams that I'm going to hate I'll, this I'll movie. let it. I'll, I'll let it flush over, ugh, wash over me while I watch it. <laughs> I, I have no interest in reading it. Uh, uh, you know what? Good luck to Eli Roth. Can't wait. Totally. I'm so hyped. I can definitely wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of movies that I'm definitely going to see, we are getting a Peeps animated movie. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. Okay. Next one. <laughs> next one. Steven Yeun next. is going next. to... Okay, Steven Yeun is going to star in Jordan Peele's next movie. Um, there is almost nothing known about this movie, other than the fact that Steven Yeun is now going to appear in it. Um... Uh, Really good it's, in Minari. It's exactly the type of thing I want. Type of thing I want to know. Well, I <laughs> super low key. Yeah, I could the actors. I, I'm somewhat okay with that. But just fucking do the thing. Make your movie. Let me see it. You know what I mean? Don't fucking don't troll me. Don't get your party. Yeah, but at the same time, you want hype. You know? I mean, I I totally agree with you. I totally I. Full heart, wholeheartedly agree with you, but um, people need hype. They need to. They need something to latch onto. They need a poster every two weeks. They need that Instagram feed. Uh, <laughs> like, but they don't. And Jordan Peele's proved it every time. I don't know. Us had a lot of marketing. It, but like only two or three months beforehand, it wasn't like a year out. We were getting a trailer, and then six months later, we were getting ten new posters. Like, That's yeah. 
I guess it was the, that one cool poster, right? And if then a cool trailer for their uh, what's the fucking song they're singing? I couldn't tell you, man. Oh, damn! I, I, that was like the be- I really fucked with that trailer because it was so funny and like weird, obviously, which was like half the point. Uh, God damn it! Oh, I got I put five on it. I put five on it. I got five on it. Something like that. I don't know. The family singing in the car. It doesn't matter. It was like a, just a fucking random ass trailer. It didn't tell you much about the plot. And then, boom. Movie. Well, so, no, uh, I, don't, I don't think you have to. Well, we'll see. You know, uh, I'm sure we'll get an edgy trailer. Uh, I'm not sure if it's even a horror movie. But I'm assuming it is since that's what Jordan Peele's kind of been doing lately maybe he'll pivot who knows and our last piece of movie news it's kind of weird kind of not really news uh universal pictures is contemplating whether to take off titles from other streaming services this is to try and bolster their library and subscription rate of peacock i think this will be a bad decision um it totally makes sense (laughs) <laughs> it totally makes sense to try it's, and get it. It's Peacock. a bad decision. I'm gonna go. <laughs> it's a bad decision because, uh, like, so what? You somewhat took back the reins on your titles, and at the same time, you've pissed everyone off who now has to go buy your thing. And it's the same problem with all the stream platforms, and why not everyone can have a stream platform? We're like two or three away from going back to cable, where we want some service that lets us bundle all these together because this is too much. And it's just silliness. Uh, it only serves a purpose of thinking that they're going to protect their money short term. It very obviously does not protect their money long term, which is a hilarious thing about a huge enterprise or business like Universal. It's like there's no forethought. Uh, well, see, I, I, think, I think it's funny that they're even sort of putting this out in the public. Um, because like one, why wouldn't you do that in the first place if you're going to do it? I don't really get what that's about. I'm not sure what, uh, their motivation for this is since what they lost a few hundred million on Peacock last year. I'm not sure losing the sales on streaming contracts is going to help anything, but it won't. Maybe, I mean, hey, maybe that sub rate, maybe they'll get their money back somehow. I mean, it'll take a year or two, but. Universal just isn't Disney. Universal just isn't Netflix. Universal just isn't fucking uh, Warner's. I mean, they, I can't tell you even what good, reasonable movies I want to watch. From Universal. What are you talking about? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they do Fast and Furious. What are you talking about? <laughs> Same. I know you're the biggest Fast and Furious. Hey, what about TV shows? I just fucking know. Uh, NBC. So no. Well, they have The Office and stuff. They have all the sitcoms. They have like two sitcoms that people really want to. No, no, no. Not that people like. That people really want to watch. One's The Office. Right. What's the other one? What's the other big... Parks and Rec? Like in... Yeah, there we go. Parks and yeah. Rec. Thank you. Uh, I was like, it's just The Office, but shittier. I think 30 Rock. 
They have 30 Rock. People don't like to see it 30 Rock. Yeah, maybe maybe not as much, correct. But I think 30 Rock's still got a following these days. It does, but is it... Is 30 Rock the reason why people buy Peacock? No, right, The no. Office is. Right. Parks yeah, and Rec is. For sure. And those two reasons alone. And so if you only have those two there, you will get some people trickling over. You'll also piss off literally every human being in the world, and they'll probably just try to find ways to pirate it because they're not canceling Netflix. They're not canceling HBO Max, and they're not canceling fucking Hulu or Disney Plus, for that matter, if they want to get Disney Plus instead of Hulu. That's the weird one that they might swap, but... I think this would kill Hulu if they did it. Yeah, I I like I. It's gonna be so hard to see some like Hulu, like exactly like you said, them trying to have only their original movies. Uh, <laughs> Hulu's gonna have nothing if you know every single production company takes this route. Um, right. Hulu just doesn't have a lot of originals. They kind of pivoted away toward or away from it after Handmaid's Tale kind of fizzled out. Well, that's I was gonna say. I think they I think they spend about. You know, whatever the fucking budget is. Whatever that, oh, we're going to make a serious one here. Like, this is the one we're really putting all our marketing and effort into. They make one of those either shows or movies like a year. Right. And then if one catches on, they'll, like, keep doing seasons of that and slowly cut the cost back so they can keep doing the one new one. But, like, they still put out tons of shitty originals. Oh, yeah. I I guess Simon one. You know, like, that's got, like, two or three seasons. And that shit was terrible. I couldn't even... I literally turned on that first episode, and I really liked Love, Simon, the movie. I turned on that first episode, and I actively wanted to vomit. <laughs> and I was like, I can't watch. Maybe I got seven minutes in. It was so cringy. Awesome. So cringy. Uh, and like, Netflix has a ton of high school age-related originals. HBO oh yeah. Max with fucking Euphoria and that new uh, generation Euphoria, one. Yep. Like, but they tackle the issues. They tackle the fucking feelings, the vernacular, the way people goddamn speak and behave as teenagers now in a way that doesn't feel Disney-fied. And right. somehow Hulu went, let's go, like, fucking over-the-top Disney on it. And it's just pathetic. Like, no one wants to watch PG-13 shit. PG-13 is, like, so outdated. <laughs> and the problem is... What? Or... I, no, I swear, for, for TV, for TV, for okay. TV about high schoolers. It's either G or like PG because it's for actual little kids who think that's what high school's like. And if you're in high school and you want to watch something that's like PG or, you know, middle, we'll call it seventh to fucking 13th grade, you know, you're a freshman in college or you're an eighth grader, you kind of know like what the people slightly older and slightly younger than you are like. And you could tell when something just feels fake and fucking dumb. Huh. I don't know if I've ever so had PG-13 this. PG-13 isn't for you. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had this. Uh you know, put into words. I guess that makes sense. Um, it explains shows like Euphoria. Um, huh. <laughs> I guess, I mean, you're not wrong, I don't think. Because, like, the target audience for Euphoria? It's probably, like, 15 to, like, 25-year-olds. Yeah, easily. And after you get past 25, you're like, you know, this isn't cool, or this isn't, like, I, I never lived any of this experience. The music's all fucking shit I don't know. Like, right. There's there's reasons that it's off-putting to you, but it's not because it's bad. And the reasons why most of these, like, PG-13, trying to ta- trying to touch, like, topical issues are cringe is because they're so out of touch because it doesn't feel real. And, like, it's fucking Riverside. A bunch of people are... Riverdale. Riverside? Riverdale. Riverdale, thank you. River Riverdale. The reason why Riverdale's shit 
it's one, it's all like weird 40-year-olds writing high schoolers and then weird 30-year-olds playing high schoolers, but also they keep it really fucking tame. And even if it's like not supposed to be outlandish, like crazy sex parties and random shit that, you know, most people don't do in high school, it's like you're... It's so fantasy land. It's so like nineteen fucking thirties or forties, maybe like uptight America idealism. It's just like this feels so weird, dude. Uh, Archie goes to jail one episode, man. Uh, they they keep it real We've on Riverdale. Okay. We've seen the clip. Have you ever seen the clip? That's literally the only um, thing. It's the worst thing you should watch. That's the ever. only Riverdale thing I've ever watched. Is that single I think, clip? I think it's the worst thing I would ever recommend someone do. I would totally recommend people watch that so you know exactly what I'm talking about and exactly why I hate that show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I, I mean, I think Riverdale's just taking that teen wolf uh, crowd and just, you know, mm-hmm. aged it a few, or not aged it, but kept up with the times, at least for a newer generation. It's kind of, I've never delved into the mentality of producing teenage things, <laughs> I don't think. It's actually, it's kind of interesting to think about. Um how we've sort of, like you said, started pivoting towards R-rated or 15 to 25-year-old actual their taste, you know. But, yeah, that was, yeah, that was actually somehow news related to Peacock. Uh, Well, you know, you know. Yeah, that was our last piece of movie and TV news. Uh, We're going to go to John for our album releases this week. All right, some doozies. Uh, so first up, uh, just for the fun one, because it's hilarious, Cannibal Corpse. Yes. <laughs> nice. T- titled Violence Unimagined, which is should be the name of all their albums, really. It's just things, words that you would never put together somehow. Yep. Uh, Was that their 30th what? album? Uh, 15th. Oh, okay. I mean, that's not the... Well, the it worst. takes time to release such good music, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta space it out. The previous album was, like, 2017 or 2016. Uh, before you get to uh, the next album, I, I have to share with you, I've learned of a group, a death metal or whatever metal subgenre Cannibal Corpse mm-hmm. is under. There is a Cannibal Corpse cover band called Cannabis Corpse. Nice. <laughs> and it's just Cannibal Corpse songs, but they're about weed. And uh, drugs. So like a parody, a parody. Yeah, band. yeah, parody band, maybe not cover band. Um, it's there's something. <laughs> I don't know why it's a thing, but it's a thing. It's probably just a fucking bunch of stoners who were like, "How do we turn this like?" I mean, uh, oh god, I'm not gonna use that word. Uh, how do we turn this like? Ah, oh, god, I don't want to use that word either. I don't want to <laughs> say distasteful, right? But like, th- what people think is distasteful. People are like, mm. "Oh, that's too far. That's you know." It's pushing the yeah. wall too much. Visceral music. I, right, I, yeah. 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 Uh, like, intentionally grotesque for grotesque's sake. Uh, and they're like, how do we, like, lighten that up? How do we do the opposite but do the same? And they went, eh, let's make it about weed. It's peace and love and happiness and not fucking... Yeah. <laughs> fucking fucked with a knife or a necropedophile. Uh, yeah, wow, okay, we're getting flagged this episode. Thanks, Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are just the titles to two of their songs, okay? I did nothing wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the fun one. Uh, I'll probably listen to, like, the first song and then throw up and turn it off. Right. Um, in the same vein, there's a fucking other metal. Uh, I guess they're, like, hard rock. I don't know what they're... They're, like, screamo. Um, Escape the Fate. 
I don't know if you remember them from your emo days. I, yeah, actually, I do. <laughs> I, do. I, I, I do also. I do also. They're pretty good. Um, and they uh, have, it's called Chemical Warfare. Nice. Coming out uh, next week. Which that is. Um, excuse me. And then we've got uh, the one that I'm sure at least you'll know, if not, probably not care about. The Offspring uh, has a new album coming out. Uh, terrible title. What's a bad time to roll? Um, and then we got two little ones. Yeah, I mean, who cares? Like, honestly, just, it's like... You, I'm not sure you could have told me an album I'm more disinterested in. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's two more. I, I think you'll like one of them, maybe, and it'll be worth listening to. Uh, so there's a Paul McCartney one, which I don't think is the one you think. Uh, it's called McCartney 3 Imagined. And I have to say that that's probably, like, reimagined. Do you think three imagined? Do you think there's a McCartney one and two? I don't know. <laughs> is this is this three reimagined and they try to combine? I don't know. I have no idea. Or, I don't listen to Paul McCartney's music, so I don't know. Maybe it's a reimagining of two, and so it's three. You know. <laughs> maybe, uh, and then finally, uh, Nora Jones uh, till we meet again. Oh, cool. Which Cool. Could be interesting, yeah. which I want to check out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's there. There's a bunch of music actually for some reason coming out next week. But those are the highlights. Like, if those are the highlights, that's what, that's how you know it's a good week. <laughs> Say no more. Uh, if you're big into Christian rock, Need to Breathe has a good album coming out. Uh, wow, cool. Live recording album. Sweet. But yeah, that's that's the pinnacle. Christian of rock and live recording. <laughs> yeah, two of my favorite genres. All right, all right, that's enough of that. Uh, so, you want to you want to kick us off? I, I feel like you probably have a little bit less than me. Yeah, with the uh, highlights and the lowlights of our weeks. Um, so movies I watched, nothing really crazy. I did watch Sonic the Hedgehog. I've been in a weird mood lately. I've just been watching terrible Fucking family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could have watched. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I could have watched um, the uh, the other movie I need to watch, but no, I chose Sonic the Hedgehog. I, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, not as offensive as Tom and Jerry, the new low bar, but um, it's basically just Jim Carrey the movie and Sonic sort of in it. Why didn't they fucking make him actual? Robotnik. Oh, he turns into Robotnik. Actual, like, fat in a robot suit. Like, literally at the end, he gets... I'm gonna spoil this movie. At the end, he he gets... Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So he gets teleported away to this other world, and... I guess because he got blown up or something, his mustache is now, like, three times as big, and it's like Eggman's mustache, and his goggles... No, no, it's like a real, I mean, it looks like prosthetics, but, you know, it's a prosthetic, whatever. Sure. Uh, yeah, prosthetic mustache, and then he has goggles that just somehow, like, stick to his face. So they really do, I mean, the actual design, he's even wearing red and, like, tight pants. Uh, he's not he's fat. not fat? Not okay. fat. That's my problem. Well, give it time. Give it time. Maybe in the next one he'll be fat. Maybe he just wear something, but... Oh, and they, yeah, they put him in a fat suit, and they just, like, make an excuse, like... There's nothing to do over here except for eat and take Exactly. He's on a mushroom Science. world. Right. <laughs> That's exactly Classic. what they could do. Yeah, yeah. Classic. Um, 
yeah, Jim Carrey basically plays Ace Ventura, except he's a smart character. He's not just dumb. He just so he acts like Ace Ventura, but he says smart things, and it's really not that different than his other characters. Um, <laughs> so don't go expecting anything from him. He's kind of the only good part of the movie, though. Sadly, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, did, did you did you think that the CG looked better? Because you've obviously seen the terrible trailer where he looked like an idiot. I'm going to say no. I, like, was I, it worth the wait? Could you have just watched the same shitty movie with the shitty CG and thought the same thing? See, here's my thing. Um, I am blanking on his name, the man who played Sonic. Uh, he played Jean-Ralphio in Parks and Rec. Schwartzman, Schwartz. Uh, Jason Schwartz? Uh, that is ben Schwartz. Ben, ben Schwartz. Schwartz. There we go. I knew it was a Schwartz. Um, ben Schwartz. I don't think his voice matches the redesign. I think his voice is very much more suited to that old crappy design that we got that didn't look like Sonic. Um, it just feels... It feels like they have a Sonic redesign and then Ben Schwartz voice. It doesn't feel cohesive, really. It, uh, his voice just comes out of nowhere sometimes. And you're like, oh yeah! <laughs> you know, that's Sonic talking. Um, so I can't really say. I'm not really excited for the sequel. I'll probably still watch it. But, you know, I guess we'll see. I also finished the QAnon show. Um, oh! Don't spoil it. Don't oh, it. man! I forgot. I forgot. I had, no, I had an exam. I had an exam on Monday. How dare you? How dare next you? Week. Next week. You had an exam on Monday. You had two days. I know. I forgot. I said. There's a big, there's a big moment. I literally, it's underlined right Well, wait. Now it's underlined. Big moment right there. I'm watching it right after. Watching it right now. During the stream. (laughs) I'm done. Goodbye. (laughs) Okay. uh, And then, uh, last week I said I didn't want to spoil anything for Godzilla vs. King Kong. Yeah. So I figured I'd spoil it and give you my two big complaints. Uh, you know when I said they do Batman vs. Superman where they introduce Doomsday and mm-hmm. so there's not really a fight? Mechagodzilla. I mean, which I would have guessed that. And, oh, it's so, <laughs> I hate the it. The humans were the bad guys all along? Yep. Yep. No. Uh, there's an evil scientist. He makes Mechagodzilla. It's, it's pretty bad. Uh, that's, that's my biggest complaint. And then I didn't like... So they do this thing where they introduce the Hollow Earth, and instead of a compelling plot device, it feels like a cop-out explanation for any future monsters. It'll just be, ah, they're from the Hollow Earth, you know? You know. Like, come on, they're from the Hollow Earth. (laughs) That's where all the new monsters, and I'm not excited for that. So I just wanted to get that out in the air. Um... Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. my, my guess was either Mechagodzilla or fucking, uh, what's their name, Ghidorah or Rodan or whatever the three-headed one is, but I was like, wait, wasn't that in the first one? Like well, the most recent last one? Well, here's the thing. Um, the after credit scene of the second one, King of the Monsters, they show Ghidorah's skull being tested on by Tywin Lannister, Batman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really should know his name by now. But, um... Nah. So, apparently, he sells that skull to an evil scientist who uses the Ghidorah skull because, apparently, Ghidorah skulls and brains are supercomputers. That, Charles uh, Dance. Charles Dance, yeah. Um, so, Ghidorah skulls, they talk telepathically, 
So apparently you can harness that, yeah, I don't know. So you can harness that power so that you can have a human control a Mecha Godzilla. So they do use that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I fully expect uh, Mecha Ghidorah in the next one or the one after that. I have no doubt in my mind, but bad movie, guys. Bad movie. I don't care if audiences liked it. I don't care. <laughs> That's a bad one. And what else did I watch? Oh, yeah. HBO released a new series called Exterminate All the Brutes. It is... Exterminate All the Brutes? Yeah, it's a docuseries that focuses on... Basically focuses on how white people and colonialism kind of fucked everybody. Um, and, like, wiping out of, you know, races we don't like or, you know, all that stuff. Um, it's a lot. I really like the subject matter, and I really like what's trying to say, but it goes so in-depth into the why he's giving you the documentary. It's almost too meta for its own good. Um, he literally has four or five minutes where he explains literally why he is making the documentary. And it's just, hmm. it, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It, I don't know. By the end of it, I was kind of bored. <laughs> and I hate saying that because I really loved what it was trying to do. Because it shows you like a uh, fictional representation of everything. Then it'll tell you a different story of how, um, you know, the first settlers actually fucked over the Native Americans the first time they saw them. You know, uh, all those great stories, uh, wonderful family stories. But right. I don't know. It's a little too wrapped up in itself. I like I watched one episode and it was it was a lot. I wasn't sure if I was even gonna finish, but uh, yeah. And the only music I listened to was uh, a single "Don't Need You" by Genesis Owusu. Owusu, I. It's O W U S U, and uh, Mick Jenkins is on the remix of it. Definitively not done with Genesis, so no clue. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's a Genesis Awusu and featuring McJenkins. It's pretty awesome. It's definitely summer bop. Uh, I might not listen to the album just so I can pick that album for one of our episodes. So, uh, yeah, that's all I did this week. Cool. Um, I think you might have beat me actually because I thought I did a decent amount, but um, then I kind of forgot that I did the whole exam thing, so I definitely didn't do as much. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I'll start with music since you did the opposite. Um, so there's an artist who features on and collaborates with um, two people we've talked about before. Uh, maybe not me and you, but we've talked about on the podcast. Um, Jeremy, uh, oh God, his name is Zucker. How am I forgetting his name? Yeah, Jeremy Zucker. And then, um, the, the, whatever, this girl's name is Claire Rosencraz, Rosencrans, and she... Uh, like pop music i really don't know what the genre is but it's not like basic i mean sorry it is basic pop music it's not like normal pop music this is not like britney spears christina aguilera kind of pop music this is like i don't know what high schoolers listen to now like windows down in their car tiktok kind of songs totally uh, yeah and it's really really good uh i really like i but i like all that kind of pop um she's got a really nice voice too um and she what was her name again song claire uh last name Rosencrans. Uh, she just went by her real name and she uploads all her shit to Spotify on her own. She has no label or anything. She just makes her own music and 
She's got a bunch of listeners, like 4 million monthly listeners. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, because again, it's pop music, but I think like most of it gets popular through TikTok, I swear to God. Um, so, yeah, just fun how music works. But uh, then I, I listened to that Ross Gay, uh, that's that spoken word oh. poet album thing. Uh, I only made it through three poems. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. His, his yeah. poetry's good, mm. but I would much rather just read it. Uh, and this very much tried to emphasize like the musical components to it. And like literally the first song on it is a Bon Iver composed song to the poem, and he's reading the poem over it. And you're just like, unlike, so like really good songs that have very poetic elements to them, it's usually simple ish music i don't take away from the music that's creating you know what i mean but like if you think of like the best kendrick verses right like i'm just trying to think of like who's like the most poetic verse bob dylan you know like someone who writes just tremendously everyone would agree great writers most of the music behind their best most lyrical songs isn't like you have to think about kind of music like it keeps the melody it's a sick you know beat or whatever it's cool guitar riffs and then you're like i get it but with this the music is like really complicated and I would argue that real written poetry that was written to be poetry is takes way more thought to like really break down what's going on than like even some of the best lyricist raps or some of the best lyricist songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my big um, I don't know what the word is that I'm kind of think would be a problem is um, the poet's voice, like. Is it just him doing the it's actual? Just him. Oh, okay. It's just him. All right. He's uh, just reading it. Huh. But, but but most poets, and he's one that I've watched read his poems on YouTube. So like I know what his voice was. I just didn't realize this was him. I didn't know what he looked like because I only saw the name. Right. Um, but then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, this is this guy. Um, and he's a really good writer. Um, but he's got uh, he's got a really good reading voice. So there's nothing wrong with the voice. It's just so. We, I mean, and the first one's like 14 minutes long, okay? Like, he's wrote, written this fucking, like, epic poem. And you're just like, how am I supposed to focus and comprehend for 14 minutes when I have, like, changing music also in the background? You know what I mean? Oh. Like, I don't, go, I don't go read a book mm-hmm. and go, like, let me put on my fucking headphones <laughs> and also blast an album. It's just, it's yeah. so weird and confusing. Um, so, yeah, it's not for me, but... Do you, think, uh, do you think Spotify will start recommending stuff like this to you? I hope so. That'd be cool. I mean, I'm down to check stuff like this out. Because but this one in particular was excessive. Because I had never heard of a uh, spoken word album on Spotify at all mm-hmm. before you talked about it. I'm, you know, that's kind of weird that Spotify just doesn't expose this at all, like whatsoever. Um, right. So yeah, that, I mean, that is kind of cool that they're allowed to be more freeform with what they upload now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. The more creative and innovative Spotify can be and expand out to other things, like it's cool that they do podcasts, it's cool that they do spoken word shit, it's cool that they have obviously music, but also just like independent music. You know, it's not like you have to strictly go through labels. Like you can upload a song to Spotify right now if you had the means to, you know, pay for whatever hosting site, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, right. uh, all that is cool. So if they can continue finding ways to innovate, I'm down. Uh, what they need to do is pay artists more, uh, which we should talk about the news, but I think this week they came out with a statement saying that they're currently working on like recontracting how they pay artists, which is good. But is it going to be title levels? Probably not. Um, 
And yeah, I listened to that uh, Big Boss Rabbit New Freddy single. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I did listen to that. It's dope. It's dope. I, I figured you would remember when I said it. Too. <laughs> right. I didn't write it down. It's dope. Bars um, after bars, you know? There's there's not a lot to be said about that single. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I pretty much... I watched Fruitville Station, um, which oh. I've been meaning to watch. Uh, and it's funny because I kind of forgot it was on my watch list. And then... Some YouTube recommend I don't know. I watch way too much YouTube, and there was a YouTube recommendation of like a GQ interview between Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan um, for that Just Mercy movie they were doing, and it was like a you know promotional thing basically. Um, I was watching it, and I guess they're like they've been collaborating for a long time, and they've been like you know friends with each other at the very least, and um, they were talking about it, and Jamie Foxx was like praising him in his Just Mercy performance, and I was like, oh shit. I forgot that that's Michael, or and Just Mercy, in uh, Fruitville Station. Mm-hmm. I was like, I forgot that was him in that. So I turned it on, and I watched it, and it opens up with a fucking, uh, like, it, it's, it's my biggest pet peeve. I'm so cool to talk about issues of, again, racial injustice, systemic violence, like fucking racism, homophobia, whatever, whatever it is. And it opens with the live footage from the fucking murder of the guy who the movie's about. Oh. Huh. And then it plays the movie, which is just a biopic about this guy. And I didn't realize it was a biopic. I didn't know what the movie was about at all. I just knew it was supposed to be really good. Um, and it was ended up being a good movie. And it's just about, like, you know, basically like the three days up to his murder. Um, and then it quickly touches, like, one flashback scene of, like, a year prior when he was in fucking prison. Um, and then, yeah, flash forward, and it ends where they basically recreate it as a biopic of his fucking murder. And you're just like, my god. It was so heavy, and I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't necessarily not think it wasn't going to be something like that, or that there would be elements of that, but, yeah. And then it was a text outro with footage awesome. of the family Love and it. a fucking memorial, yeah. and I was like, please, man. Gotta remind um, you. Yeah, of the so movie you literally just went through. All in all, good movie. Yep. Uh, probably would recommend it if people were in the mood for that kind of thing, but I don't know that... Like, who gets in the mood for that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes right. I go, like, oh, I want to cry, but I'm not, like... I don't want to cry over real shit. I want to watch, like, The Notebook and be, like, aww. Or, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. or, or, like <laughs> just go find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't, I don't need super real shit. I don't need an actual murder that happened, you know? Uh, so there was another thing, speaking of murder, uh, the other thing I watched, Good segue. uh, do you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it, I had never heard of it, it was another random, oh, I was watching a streamer, um, and she was watching YouTube videos, uh, just that people recommended her, and she was just, like, live reacting to them, basically, and, yeah, that's kind of content. Let's just start doing that, like, <laughs> fuck this podcast, let's just start, <laughs> just live react. yeah, postcast, let's just watch YouTube videos at the end. Uh. And so she she got recommended a trailer for a Netflix documentary, and I instantly watched it after because I was like, "That's so hilarious!" Um, and it's a short documentary, so I don't want to spoil everything. But basically, a dude. What's it about? What's it called? It's called Long Shot, not the Long Shot, but Long Shot. And it's like literally 40, 30, 35 minutes probably, with the credits removed from it. Um, came out twenty seventeen. It's a dude who gets charged with the murder of someone. Um, and how they're connected isn't super important, but they go into it a little bit in the documentary. So it's the Curb Your Enthusiasm thing? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> then fucking Larry David, of all people, gets him off. 
because they have like footage of him at the stadium and he's like bro i almost got fucking put away for life and then there was a whole like corruption scandal it was interesting enough to watch and i was like how i never heard of this yeah no i remember when the story happened <laughs> well i don't remember when it happened uh right 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 but afterwards yeah, I definitely three or something. Yeah, I definitely remember you know a lot of stories just coming out about it, uh, and right. just seeing the screenshot of you know him at the stadium when he was supposedly murdering somebody. And so, and so, like most docu series, obviously they like are interspliced interviews of people who are in the story and the detectives, etc. Uh, and yeah, like Larry David's in there talking about his <laughs> you know contribution to the trial, and you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's literally so saved a man's life. Yeah. He's like, yeah, sometimes I bust it out at parties or if I'm at, like, a di- with a hot date. <laughs> <laughs> this is about a fucking murder. I mean, uh, it's pretty impressive, it really. Good. It was good, and it's worth, it's so quick. It's worth the watch. I turned it on and, like, didn't even realize it was supposed to be a short. And, mm. yeah, half hour. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and then I watched our movie. I think that's about all I watched, so it's pretty quick for me. Um... You want to start with Room for Squares? Yeah, 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 we can, hold on, let me get to my page, if you want to say anything beforehand. Um, well, for those who don't know, just from the name of the album, it's uh, 2001, John Mayer. Uh, is it really his first album? It was his first like, studio first album. big one. Right, okay. Um, whether he had an indie album before that, it's totally possible, because the production on this does not sound like a first album. Oh, wait, so I'm on just, like, his discography on, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? What's this thing? Wikipedia? Thing. <laughs> what? Uh, no, Spotify. Uh, and there's, like, an EP, Inside Want, Inside Wants Out, sorry. Uh, dyslexia, difficult. Uh, 1999. And it's got, like, album art, mm. uh, and it's eight songs, so... I don't know if it's a full-length album. It says EP next to it, so I'm going to call them EP. So, yeah, I'm cool with Room for Squares being the first full-length studio. But, yeah, if you want to okay. ship your uh, one-minute pitch. <laughs> yeah, so I apparently know a lot more of this album than I originally thought. I, yep. you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I know I know Neon. Um, I, I know uh, My Stupid Mouth or something. I, I could pick a couple songs. Or Body is a Wonderland. Your Body is a Wonderland. I was like, yeah, I know those, of course. But then it turned out, I know, like, the majority of these. It's not even... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just you start singing along. And you're like, oh, wait, how many times have I actually heard this song before? Because um, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to John Mayer. Absolutely couldn't yeah. tell you. Maybe Neon every now and then, but nothing else from this album and it's incredible that i don't know i still remember the words yeah like a lot of the words yeah um but i think that's more a testament to his really simple lyricism and i don't want to say simple in a bad way uh it's kind of hard to explain because i think it's really on the surface there's nothing you have to think about but the way he puts it and the way he's kind of self-aware about a lot of his lines and a lot of the stories it just makes it, um, I don't know, there's another layer of, like, being relatable, even, even though I don't think I'm going through what John Mayer's going through. I, <laughs> I really don't. Well, I think, like, so again, similarly, I, uh, I didn't know the names of the tracks. I just right. heard them. Yeah. And it turns out, and I, I mentioned this to Noah, but for everyone else, like, literally the day we chose this, my mom texted me later and sent me the song 
no such thing. Just like, hey, this is a great uh, a song from an album I love. Love you. <laughs> just like <it> randomly. <laughs> and it's just so funny because she doesn't watch this. And it's like, I realize I know John Mayer from my mom. My mom right. is like obsessed with John Mayer. Uh, and so I'm sure just like on rides to school and shit, like we probably just listened to this album and many of his other ones between 2001 and 2006 when she was driving all of this together. Um, it's just so funny because I literally didn't know the song was called No Such Thing. But I was like, oh, yeah, I want to run through the halls of my high school. Yeah, and no, my exactly. <laughs> I, I knew that, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and, of course, she bodied the Wonderland. Um, what was the other one I really knew? Uh, maybe Wide Georgia, but I don't. Maybe it's eighty three. There, there were there were several. There's a lot like, of them. I was just like, holy shit! I like know know these songs. Um, but all in all, and it's probably just because John Mayer is like his own distinct entity. To me, it's kind of like um, I'll say like it's like a Rihanna. Explain. I know a lot. I know. Uh, hold on. <laughs> He's like so big in the music industry that I know he works with a ton of people, and I'm sure there's a bunch of John Mayer-influenced things and produced things and, like, guitar riffs on songs. Actually, I can give you a good example. Um, from Swimming, Mac Miller's album right before he died, uh, the one he was about to go on tour along, uh, there's a song on there that John Mayer literally, like, wrote the melody to. They were just hanging out one day, and you're like, I'm sure John Mayer's, like, that eclectic of a person, and so was Mac Miller to an extent that, like their circles just intertwine with so many other people in music and they know so much about music and like they know what they want. And again, it's like Benny Blanco. And it's why I probably will check out more John Mayer stuff just from this. Cause I like remember now that John Mayer is a thing, but he's not someone that ever comes to my mind. And it's the same thing with Rihanna. I don't listen to Rihanna songs. I know a million of them. I'm sure. You know what I mean? I could go and probably sing several just from memory, even though I've never like distinctly chosen to listen to them. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the so, names of those songs. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really funny that that is uh, like that. And so as an album, I go like, it's John Mayer. And I would probably say the same for Rihanna because it's like they're just so distinct. And so they transformed what everything was from the point that they released that yeah. first one. And so, you know, you, you can't really like put a, a stamp on it exactly. It, this is a good album. I'm sure most people would consider it great or like perfect because they love every song and it was literally his first one and Your Body Was a Wonderland was such a bop. But I'm like, eh, I don't really love John Mayer's music. I just know it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And nothing's bad about sure. it, but I'm not like, oh, this is a great song. See, I thought it was a pretty good album. Um, I came away kind of hating some songs. Um, really? Specifically, Your Body is a Wonderland. Really? It feels so, I, I, I wrote it down. Because I, I just didn't want to feel crazy. So my biggest problem with this album is that I love a lot of these songs and a lot of the choruses and what he's saying, yada yada, mm -hmm. whatever. It gets stuck in my head. But then it just comes in overproduced. There's six fucking instruments on top of each other while there's like some sort of bass line or just a simple drum going. And that really just gets to me on some of these songs. Especially Your Body is a Wonderland, which... From what I could tell, had two guitars, a drum set, had a harmonica sample in the background, had a keyboarder, and had a shaker sound. All at the same time. Um, <laughs> well, and that's that's what that's one of the big things, not to completely derail your tangent, but yeah. I completely agree. Um, I didn't particularly notice it with Your Bodies in Wonderland, but I think that's just part of the... Like, John Mayer, to me, isn't like an acoustic guitarist. 
Right. Maybe that was my problem. Maybe I was uh, expecting a little more of that because, I mean, there were songs. Uh, Neon seems mm-hmm. very simple, not yep. a lot stripped going back. on. Yeah, very stripped back. Um, very singer-songwriter. But, yep. yeah, then your body is a wonderland. It just doesn't get that vibe at all. Sounds like a radio hit. I don't know. It's kind of weird to me because I wasn't expecting to um, dislike more songs by John Mayer after listening to this album. But well, I think that's why I'm increasingly. This is the note I was going to make. This tangent is that uh, it's my problem with Ed Sheeran. Now, is I know Ed Sheeran as this amazing guitar player, this incredible songwriter, and someone who like completely can thrive with just a guitar in hand mm-hmm. and make amazing music. And then he'll come out. Half his album sounds like it's got. 20 instruments that don't need to be there and like a bunch of loop machines and things that he can do on his little pedal on stage because he doesn't perform with the band. He just plays with his guitar and a loop pedal. And so it's like, I know all his songs can be broken down. So why does he release these like really overproduced versions of them when he goes and performs them live and they sound amazing because he's a great singer and a great songwriter and a great musician. Right. That why does it have 10 million instruments? And I'm sure his body is the one and it's probably in the same vein. It's probably a great song live. And it probably wears itself down with each listen not live. Yeah, uh, that was that was literally my biggest complaint because I loved My Stupid Mouth, Neon, and City Love. It was pretty good, but um, some of the song uh, eighty three was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. But awesome. yeah, uh, Body is a Wonderland, uh, Back to You. Oh, I'm sorry, Back to You was with all the. Uh, I see that now. Back to you is with all the instruments. Your body is a wandering is still overproduced. I'm still standing by that. But specifically, it's not that one. Um, I don't know. This was definitely an okay album for me. It was re- yeah. really listenable. I will say, it was, what, 50 minutes? And it did not uh, feel like 50 minutes. Yeah, like 54. Yeah, I, I easily listened to this, no problem. You know, I was like, oh, okay, it's over, you know, whatever. I got some track by another singer-songwriter guy. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's a good thing, so I don't want to hate on this album too much, since it's easy to listen to. There's a lot of songs that are just, you know, catchy, that are just get stuck in my head, and I'm like, oh, God, I got to listen to Neon again. Well, <laughs> um, the other... So it's not... Who's the guy that's... Jason Mraz. Uh... Jason Mraz is a dude who I recently did this similar thing with, and I went back to, like, his first album, because I was like, huh, I wonder, like, what he does. Um, I think it was, like, after Bonner. I don't know if you went and saw him on the Bonner stage when he was there that we went. Um, I don't think so. But I did, and I was like, oh, shit. Jason Mraz is, like, crazy good. And, like, really, because I I only knew Love Yours or whatever. Yeah, I'm yours. (laughs) Or I'm yours, thank Mm. you. Uh, And I was like, yeah, I don't really know much of his music. I checked it out, and, like, most of it is good. It's not like the most memorable in the world, but it's so listenable. And, he, and I like, I totally get why people like this genre, especially because, you know, there's really clever, interesting little things that they've written. There's cool, catchy little melodies that you can easily earworm yourself into hearing again. And then the combination of that is like a really catchy hook that, you know, you constantly sing to yourself because it's just an earworm. Um, and, yeah, like, I get it. Um, and I'll probably do now the same with John Mayer, because I've not ever listened to, like... And again, at least intentionally, I probably have accidentally any of those, like, 2004 to whatever, like, 2008. Or Current releases? Probably, <laughs> no, I, I think, like, his last three, I've listened to a couple songs, because I was just like, oh, John Mayer has a 
thing come out. And there's like, again, it's just because the YouTube algorithm has pushed him onto me that I've been like, oh, yeah, this, I'll check out this thing, yeah. You know what I mean? But I've not listened to any full projects in forever. Yeah, uh, if, I, if I had to pin this album down to a number, I feel like we've been giving out a lot of sixes and sevens lately. But, uh,. Turns out, <laughs> <we just laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I feel like uh, six, six, five. You know, it's nothing crazy. Yeah. I'm not offended by it. Um, I mean, I'll listen to a couple of these songs probably forever, but I won't. I won't listen to this album, you know, oh, all God, the time. There's no I, way. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, same thing. I'd give it like six, eight. Probably average a seven and a six out. Yeah. Um. Also, real quick, album art is dope. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, the squares, the squares. Yeah, yeah the yeah, squares. I like it because it's just double entendre and it's the picture and it's a bunch of squares. It's cool. And then I, like I, he I, cuts some out, so there's like there's not room for some squares, but there is right. room, man. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's deeper than that. Yeah. It's deeper than rap, dude. Um. All right, and then uh, 2021's uh, The Father. Uh, Which is not a Netflix movie. Um, I might have, I think last week we might have said it's a Netflix movie. It is oh, not. Oh, no, because I think only, only Mank and Trial are. Hmm. Okay, well, I might have misspoken last week. I'm pretty sure I said it one time. <laughs> not oh, yeah. a Netflix Florian, movie. Florian Zeller, French dude. Don't know him. Don't know what he's done. Uh, he, I don't know, he wrote the play that this is based off of. Um probably is a dope play this is probably way better as a play i I don't know man i absolutely love this movie like absolutely was floored by it it was hmm. i obviously liked it don't get it twisted i think it was a great use of movie versus or like you know a, a film setting versus a theater setting However, it almost felt like, hmm, I almost wanted a little bit more clarity. It was almost like they went, like, try to be, you know, Christopher nolan until you went, like, okay, well, we're basically just only getting fucking the dad's perspective, and, like, okay, now I get it, like, why we're changing costumes during the same day, and why we're fucking in a different house, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was obviously excellent, and for me... The best, best part is Anthony Hopkins is the fucking dude. dude. <laughs> He's literally the goat. I okay, so I I saw a dude. I was like, I'm going to fucking just blow up. I I, I saw a quote. Uh, I think it was IGN or something, and it said a uh, quote from the father. It was like, "This is Anthony Hopkins' best performance." I was like, "Who fucking are you?" You know, like fuck off. I watched this movie. All right, <laughs> definitely yeah, not even close. It's incredible how much he brought to this movie. Um, I'm not sure this could have worked with anybody else. I, I'm really convinced this couldn't have worked with anybody else. Um, I, I'll start with how much I fucking love that I was very confused for the first 30 minutes um, when you realize, oh, this movie is as senile as the old man. And just being put in his perspective and how the movie just translated that to the actual movie watching experience oh man i i can't say how much i like this enough there's something so unique about this well that's i was getting at it's such a clever use of it i felt that like 
once we got it, you know what I mean? It could have been around the 30-minute mark. It could have been around the 45-minute mark. And I think, you know, I, I was probably around the 30-ish minute mark. I think, also. yeah, I think it was like 20-something. But, like, but, like, once you made it to, like, an hour in, I think they could have let up a little bit. In terms of not how senile he was, that should have continued to get progressively worse. But, like, it was almost as though they were, like, trying to keep the bit in disguise as opposed to, like, really laying into it. Mm. So it was like they were trying to be – and maybe, maybe it was like he was trying to be careful of not, like, making it a shtick or a weird little thing, like a one-off. But I think he didn't quite hit the balance mark for me of, like, I wanted to see – okay, I get it. He's senile now. And it was like – it was almost like trying to play tricks on the audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? And once it stopped feeling like, all right, we're feeling like this is what it would be like to be the grandpa – it was almost like, are you sure he's senile? And I was like, wait. <laughs> I, I never got that. I, I mean, maybe, but I, I don't. I never got the sense that it was questioning whether that was a thing. Um, is there a specific scene you're talking about? Um, um, so, like, the use of the weird, who ended up being, I guess, like, another nurse or a nurse's aide or something, the dude who ended up, like, clearly understood he was abusive to him. He was, like, used so early on and then not used at all. And then, like, right at the end scene again to make it clear. But I was, like, when you see a new character introduced and you never see him again, it's so weird, right? And so, at least in the case of the daughter, it was pretty quickly explained why he thought she looked like her. Mm -hmm. Whatever her name is. Fucking... I, what, I, what's that? Imogen Poots or Poots? Imogen... Imogen... Pots, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Uh, but it, it, so whenever she appears and he's like, Oh my god, she looks so much like them, <laughs> the dog's like, I, I guess, you know, right. and you're like, We don't know what she looks like, and then we find out, Okay, it's the same person, right? Um, and that happens like in the space of a half hour. The dude, between being introduced and like taking the chicken to the other room and then never being there, mm. to oh, the very last scene of the movie is a long-ass time. That's probably like an hour. So it just felt really weird to me that you only saw him the one time. Right, right, all right. All right, all right. Um... And, and there were like a ton of little things. Like, I shouldn't say a ton. There were a couple little things that happened like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it. That's it. That, that, literally, my only complaint is like, it almost felt like Florian Zeller was... He had so much freedom because it's a pretty low-budget movie. It's like less than 20 million. Yeah, there was what, two sets? Three sets? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, obviously Anthony Hopkins got the bulk of that money. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I did. But fucking uh, Hopkins, rather, excuse me. Um, but it felt like Florian Zeller, because he had so much freedom to do what he wanted, because he didn't have that much, like, pressure and influence, I feel like he had no uh, – he wasn't being reined in at all, which was great. Obviously, the outcome was still a really excellent movie. That's definitely the best movie I've watched this year. Um, but – at the same time, I'm like, could it have been better? And maybe just for my taste, yes. I don't know that, you know, everyone would have received as well, but I just felt like it was. A, there were parts that were a bit, yeah. Okay, well, I'll literally argue the opposite. Well, not the opposite, but uh, the opposite to that specific tangent in that I don't think this movie could have been that much better. Um, I think it could have. It could have cut off some fat. There were there were definitely some scenes where I was like, mm, you know, like. I you know I'm totally I'm totally into this. You don't have to convince me that he's senile and up and down all the time. Um, 
I don't know, man. It was just so refreshing to see a movie offset by its own plot or by its own character. Uh, Because every single movie these days feels just not cookie cutter, but they all feel like movies, you know? There's going to be a beginning and an end. You can kind of see it coming halfway through. Um, Whereas this movie, even though you definitely could see where it was going, you know, him being retired into the home and yada yada, um, the way it got there was just completely unique. Um, Yeah. I didn't didn't care that it was going to end because it was such a fun ride the entire time. Like, literally watching Anthony Hopkins do it, when he's like, you know, all of a sudden he, like, snaps and is like, you know fuck you, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, and dude. then he's like, oh, I'm tap dancing, and like, let's have some whiskey. And you're like, oh, this is like, just such an excellent range of, and it probably, I mean, I should say probably, it definitely feels real. And yes. that, again, I, that's uh, that's like one of my favorite things. Like, if you're going to do something like this, it should feel real. I don't care that Godzilla doesn't feel real. You know? I do care that someone with dementia, or who is senile, seems like they have dementia and are senile. Uh, he was just like it was crazy. It was, it was crazy good. I man, it, it's hard to talk about almost. Just his his ability to have that jolly, good, charming Anthony Hopkins when he's tap dancing, and then that malice and the snark he says when she when he's like, "Oh, and you laugh too much," right. and you're just like, "Oh shit, man! Like, calm down." Right. Uh, Literally zero to one hundred. Every every single time it happened, it felt like a slap to the face. And anything that happened to him, like um, when he's being moved and didn't know where he was, but thought it was his place. Oh, there are just so many scenes that brought together this um, uneasiness to it all. Question. So there was one scene that never got answered for me. Yes. Um, the one where it's one of, you know, the versions of her husband walking up, like, when are you just going to fuck off and stop, you know, pissing everybody off? And he uses some, like, step on everyone's tits or whatever the fuck he says. Yeah. And then he walks over and slaps him in the face. Was that her current husband boyfriend or was that the abuser or was he merging those two memories i couldn't figure out which one was the quote-unquote real experience uh yeah i i think that's like yeah um i really don't think the movie answers that one. Oh no no, no i'm just asking what you thought oh i i i just couldn't tell i i thought it was probably her it might have been her ex-husband or the ex-husband Rufus Sewell, who Rufus Sewell played, I was assuming it was just him, and he was just seeing it as the orderly, and then seeing it as Rufus Sewell. Um, I don't know that. Like <laughs> that's that's why I loved. Like when he did the basically the time loop, you know, when he walked in the dinner table. Yep. There's, you know, there's a I lot to sure. think about. <laughs> there's a lot to think about there, but at the same time, it not giving you a real answer as to whether the first or the second conversation happened is just, I don't know. I think it's absolutely great. Really good. Yeah. I mean, and that's, those aren't even like, like that one in particular, like I didn't care to question it. Cause I was just like, Oh my God. He's like, he's tripped the fuck up. You don't need to know how or why he's tripped the fuck up. Um, but specifically with the slap, because it was like, Oh, does that mean that he thinks that the orderly is a bad guy? Yeah. I think or he was thinks the orderly, the orderly abusive. No, I think the husband slapped him, but he just is just conflating right. the two. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. 
Because I think the first time we see the orderly in the husband's position slapping them. For yes. The first yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The so, first time that, that happens, it's the weird, ugly, orderly dude yeah. slapping him. And then the next time that that scene happens, it's the new husband and the dad's just crying, calling for Anne, and you never see a slap happen. That's true, too. That's why I was like, I wonder if he's mixing hmm. the two memories. Right. And when he sees the abuser, he gets abused. And when he's not seeing the abuser, he's not getting abused. See, I just took it as he was just putting the orderly's face, getting them confused with uh, the abuse of husband. No, okay. I mean, but I don't know. Crazy. I Crazy. If someone ever asked me to watch this movie, I will never say no. I don't think I'll ever say no. I was crying at the end. Like, no lie. Oh, <laughs> when he was see, doing I, the mommy. So, okay, when he was doing the mommy. Yeah. Right at the very end, when he's just kind of like in her arms. I probably could have kept crying, but at that point it was so late at night. Man, I was, I was so about other things, not the movie. Yeah, so I was lucky. I was lucky. My roommate was beside me, or else I would have just been <laughs> fucking. I would have been a mess, man. That movie. I don't want to be yeah, too movie. preemptive about this, but uh, best picture. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. best picture. We have, wait, wait, we have two left. Uh, and we have trial. Yeah, and I need to watch the other two, but. Yes. Which other two do you still have to watch? Uh, uh, Black Messiah and um, the the woman. Um, it's called oh, Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. I was like, I don't want to just say the woman movie, but <laughs> <laughs> Promising Young Woman. Yes, that's what Case. I know. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I can't even talk about this movie that much just because I had nothing. I had no complaints whatsoever. If I did have a complaint, I forgot it. And I don't care to remember. That, that, yeah, and that and that means that that wasn't that big of a complaint. And again, like I said, my complaints were very minor, and it just felt it was it was bordering problematic. It was not a problem, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, it felt like if it little shit like that kept piling up, it would have been bad. But it definitively wasn't. It was really excellent, and I'm for sure going to recommend this movie to everybody this year. This uh, this movie got nominated for best set design. <laughs> And uh, that's a pretty clever use of set design. I mean, sure, what they spent, yeah, how they did it, it's pretty good. Set that's design. my thing. That's my thing. Like, it's really good set design, but I just don't see it as a set design winning movie. I don't. I just hope this was wins Best Picture. I just was looking at the nominations and saw that as Best Set Design, and in my head, I'm like, what three sets? You know. <laughs> Well, and, and literally, it was probably one set, right? And they just filmed all the scenes of the one set, broke it down, used the same rooms, built it up, broke right. it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say the nursing home is probably a different set. But, because the hallway did, I think, was different. Okay, how about, this is just another interesting, like, it was so cool when, like, of course, there were times where he was dreaming, and he would just open a door, and go fucking somewhere, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then uh, the doctor's office that was like in their apartment building that confused the fuck out of me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, like, yeah. took the elevator and he's like, "Don't you have your keys?" And he's like, "She's like, what? <laughs> no." <laughs> I mean, but, and they go in at the doctor's office and you're like, yeah. "Wait." <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's just another subtle thing of confusing you, like or confusing the audience. Right, no, and that, yeah. well, that wasn't a bad one. That was good. I, it was great use of it. Uh, because uh, I was I was really thinking about that particular scene just because I'm like, oh yeah. Like, my doctor's office isn't a residential kind of thing, you know? That's mm -hmm. It's almost weirdly relatable now, uh, just to have a residential business. But, uh, 
Sure. I don't know. Using it as simple as that and as effective as that. Amazing oh. movie. I, I just love his... Uh, they don't even speak English there. <laughs> right. And the, he would repeat like four or five times through the movie. I was just like... It feels like a charming little old grandpa who is only getting pissed off because he's forgotten so much. Yeah. And, which it totally makes sense because obviously senile patients are get really irritable because I, I still, even after, you know, seeing that and you're trying to be put into their shoes, right? Like that's the whole kind of perspective of it is that you're trying to see what it might be like. Uh, obviously you don't know how unfathomable it is to say that something happened definitively to know and feel it and smell it and see it and touch it and be like you're fucking making that shit like yeah. it would just feel like the biggest gaslight of all time you know what i mean everyone's in on a joke against you i so yeah it was crazy. incredibly effective at uh i don't know what you're saying like translating the experience of almost just translating the experience of forgetfulness. Like, if you wanted to boil it down to not just, oh, he's an old man character, you just say the human character side. Like, just forgetting things like that or thinking right. something happened a little differently. And, right. um... Oh, I for sure yeah. heard you say fuck. No, I said duck. No, no, no. you <laughs> right. said fuck. You might have thought Exactly, you said yeah. And this movie right. literally is non-stop that. And it's, it's a really great, great movie. Um, also, I, I want to point out, uh, I think her name's Olivia Coleman played the daughter the daughter yeah uh she's fantastic i don't want to detract from her at all no. yeah i just in fact i don't think there was any bad actors in the movie right yeah yeah i mean there, there were only, only... <laughs> okay ones yeah. or there were great ones and she was great she has a very i it was like it drew my attention to her not like in an out of the movie sense but she has a very interesting smile i don't know if you like felt that way about when she smiled but she was like even when she was like I guess it was, like, to try to portray embarrassment, maybe, but she would, like, when, uh, what's her name? Imogen, Imogen Hoots, or whatever his character first gets into the yeah. house, and she's like, oh, you know, my father, he needs to go get dressed because he's putting on a whole shtick about whatever. Uh, and she, like, keeps, like, smiling, but it's, like, her full teeth and gums, and then <laughs> yeah. she's got, like, big cheeks up here, and they dimpled, and I was like, you've got the craziest smile, lady. Like, it just, it, I, like, it literally just threw me for a while. Well, I mean, if you're interested in seeing more of her, uh, she kills it in The Crown. Um, Is she in that? She's, okay, so every two seasons, they change cast. So she's in seasons three and four. Uh, she plays the queen. And, yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Uh, but I just didn't want to detract anything from her, even though Anthony Hopkins completely carries this whole movie. Um, yeah. For sure. His acting, he's, I love how I'm talking about a man who's acted for like three times my life. And, yeah, I, and, like, and like I'm, probably over 60 <laughs> years of just acting. And I'm judging it somehow. Uh, I really don't feel like I'm up to snuff to it because he just knocked it out of the ballpark, man. There's not enough you can say about this performance. I, I don't remember the last time a movie made me cry. I don't remember the last time an actor made me cry like that. Bro, I'm telling you, you should watch The Two Popes. He's excellent in that. I don't doubt it. it. I'm never going to doubt it ever again. <laughs> like, he it's, has... I mean, it's not where... He doesn't do as much, and he's not the main character in that movie, so it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, clearly he's the fucking goat, but... It just solidifies he's, he's it. He's a very good actor. Yeah, he's a very, very good actor. <laughs> in right. case you... <laughs> 
after the 80 years uh, he's been on the earth. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, is there a score you want to give it? Because I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to say a 10. Uh, but. Is he knighted? Is he Sir Anthony? Yeah, he's Sir Anthony Hopkins. Of course he's Sir Anthony Hopkins. Not oh Mr. Guess, guess when he was knighted. 1982. Uh, 93. Okay. <laughs> I figured it was Over before. 20... He's been Sir Anthony Hopkins for 20 years. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he deserves it. Okay? He deserves oh, yeah, it. Every, sure. oh, sure. every fucking ounce of respect that comes with, he deserves it. Probably a 9.5. One of the closest to 10s. I might say 10. I bet this might be the first 10 of the show, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm fair to give it a ten. Only for me, first ten for me. Cool. We don't have to do it. Is is ten max points you can ever give something, and thus like I mean, unless a tens. movie just completely. I'm saying, just... I'm saying, are there many tens? Yeah, there's gonna be more than one ten. Okay, okay, yeah, I'm I'm down with ten. ten. Okay, yeah, <laughs> because I I'm trying to reserve ten for like the best thing I've ever seen. I don't know if this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is but the best thing I've seen point. in a few years, easily. Not, I'm not trying to question what you've seen in the last few years, <laughs> but definitely, I I couldn't tell you a movie I enjoyed this much uh, in a while, long while. But uh, I think that's about it. Let me give you the movie and the album for the week. Okay, our album for next week is going to be "To Bimpa Butterfly" by Kendrick Lamar, and our movie is going to be. Never heard of it. <laughs> and our movie is going to be Netflix's "The Trial of the Chicago Seven. We'll this see. time accurately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll see you next week on episode 25 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pena. And we're out of here.